I think that I'm just slowly building a life for myself where I get to, um, yeah, do the things that I love and just live a good life. Hello, and welcome to Healing Trauma Mamas. I'm your host, Madon Wingo. Thank you for joining us as we share in our stories and experiences of healing from childhood traumas and birth traumas. Listen as we discuss our struggles, our failures, our strengths and our victories, and all those lessons we've learned along the way. Hello, Healing Trauma Mamas listeners. I just want to take a moment to recognize what an opportunity I feel like it has been to be able to have the podcast, the fact that I have such wonderful women willing to come on the podcast and share their stories and share the things that they've been through, but more importantly, where they are now in the healing process. So I just want to say just a thank you to all you moms out there who are such an amazing inspiration to me. And just thank you to every single one of you um, who have in the past came on the podcast, but you future mamas out there who are thinking about coming on the podcast. It is such a joy and privilege of mine to be able to have a sit down conversation with you and then share that conversation with others. If you have a story that you would like to share with me on the podcast, please reach out. You can find me on Facebook, Madon Wingo on Facebook. You can also find me on Instagram, Healing Trauma Mamas, and our Facebook group, Healing Trauma Mamas. We also have a Gmail account that's Healing Trauma Mamas at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you listeners out there. With that being said, today I get to welcome on the podcast, Asia Miller. I will introduce myself. I am not a mother. Um, I think, I feel like I should say that first and foremost, because this is a Trauma Mamas podcast. I do have two little fur babies that I love very, very much, um, but I am a part of the Trauma um, Healing Trauma Mamas Facebook group. My sister originally, um, who is Alyssa, and everybody knows her if you listen <laughs> to this podcast. <laughs> um, Good to but, hear her yeah, a few she's, times. she's my big sis. So I'm Asia Miller, the younger sister. And um, I am living in Idaho currently, very far away from my sister. And still very close to our family working in a job that I love I'm working for a nonprofit. I absolutely love it I graduated from college up here so I just haven't left yet and man I guess really that's yeah that's me thanks thanks for sharing that Asia um so Let's kind of go back a little bit from the beginning. So just to, you, you, as you said, Alyssa is your sister. And uh, anybody who's been listening to the Healing Trauma Mamas podcast for a while will know who Alyssa is. Uh, our very first podcast episode was Alyssa's Redeeming Birth. And that talked about her first birth. And 
she was on one of our other podcasts um, uh, with a relative of your guys's. And then she was actually on a very recent podcast, getting to share uh, the story of her second birth and some things that have happened since then and since going on the podcast. So um, yes, they're very familiar with Alyssa and Alyssa's story. Listeners, if you haven't listened to Alyssa's Redeeming Birth, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to the very first podcast episode. Um, it is uh, very thought-provoking and um, an amazing story to hear. And I know uh, Asia has some very similar history as her sister, um, but as we all know, everybody has very different perspectives. Um, we could all experience the same trauma in the same household, but our perspectives and our lives can be completely different. So I'd love today, Asia, if you don't mind, um, kind of sharing a little bit about your growing up. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that, um, between me and my sister, I think that while we lived in the same house, we also had some pretty, a pretty different childhood, Um, mainly because, and I think we figured this out pretty recently, it was like within, within the last year. um, I, I don't really remember a lot of our childhood, and Alyssa remembers all of it. And so it wasn't until we decided that we were going to cut family out. Like I remembered some things and really they just felt like dreams. Like I, I, who knows if they were real or if I just dreamt that one day I have really vivid dreams on the regular. So for me, it was like, I couldn't really trust any of my childhood memories. Um, But when we decided to cut some family out. That's when I talked to my sister and really confirmed some things about our childhood. So, well, those who have heard my story, uh, know that I know exactly what you're talking about, that I, (sighs) I had tons of, uh, still do lots of repressed memories. And I felt the exact same way as you. Like I didn't know what was the truth and what wasn't the truth. I couldn't trust when I would have a, a vivid dream or more like a a daydream sometimes. And I'd be like, where Mm -hmm. did that come from? You know, surely I made that up. That's insane, you know? And then, but when you talk to somebody who was there and you're like, Hey, like, so this is weird. I know, but this is what I was. And then they (laughs) confirm it. You're like mind blown. Yeah. You're like, Whoa, wait a second. Yeah. Cause it really does. It feels like, well, maybe I saw that in a movie somewhere or maybe like I, you know, like I could never decide if that memory was my own or if it was something that my brain just created all by itself. And yeah, bringing those things up to somebody who was there is like, it feels really embarrassing. I don't know. Like it's not something that it's not a conversation you want to have. So we didn't have it until we were adults and we were kind of pressured into it from Um, learning stories from other family members so for me it was like yeah definitely mind-blowing like wow that is what happened but yeah we grew up in an abusive household Um, I would say that I think I think that our parents 
loved both of us in their own way. Um, but I do think that I, we were treated a little bit differently. I know like um, for Alyssa, there was a lot of love and I could see that growing up. There was a lot of love for our parents. Um, but for me, there was a lot of fear and anger for our parents mm -hmm. because of the, the difference in the way that we were treated. I remember Alyssa like, talking about that, yeah. that. You were treated so differently than she was. Yeah. Yeah, which for us growing up, it was normal. I, I don't think I really recognized just how... Uh, I hate to say the word bad, but I guess bad it was until, until I grew up and, and we were adults and we started putting things into perspective and we started, um, you know, looking at the kids in our own lives and seeing ourselves in them in a way and, and understanding that we would never treat the children in our lives that way. But it, do you mind giving us an example yeah, like, well, our father sexually abused us for, a, uh, I don't really know when it started. I just know it ended when we were 12, when I was 12, and I um, let an adult, a trusted adult in my life know. But he also was physically abusive. He was emotionally abusive to our mother. Um we saw a lot of violence, the way that he treated our animals, the way that he treated our mother. Um, he was a pretty violent person, especially when he was angry. And then our, um, our mother worked a lot of graveyard shifts, so he had a lot of opportunities to just be alone with us. And he also did a lot of drugs, and he would, you know, like box us up in rooms and do drugs and give us things. And honestly, I don't remember a ton of it, but mm -hmm. um, my mom, she was, she was abusive in a different way. She was obviously neglectful. She didn't, um, she knew about a lot of the abuse that was happening in the home and just didn't, was in act, not actionable on any of on any of that and she was just kind of a bully I'd say she bullied both me and my sister but um but she bullied me a lot <laughs> and mm -hmm. I think that was the main difference in our childhood is like my mom told me one time that she just had me so that Alyssa could have a playmate she mm -hmm. was not interested in really like knowing me, she was just interested in having me for my sister. So like, go hang out with your sister. Cause that's your whole purpose. Wow. Um, she like one time she took photos of me while, while I was sleeping and then showed them to me the next day and was making fun of me because my eyes were slightly open. And she was saying that I was a demon child because the photos were like, not really taking on the camera and, all of these like subtle, but not so subtle ways of just 
bullying your child (laughs) is really the best way I can put it. I don't remember a lot of like the drug use with my dad. And I don't remember a lot of the abuse with my dad. So a lot of that stuff. Oh, that is was really in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that stuff was really told to me by my sister. I mean, I, I have like these flashes of memory and I've done five years or about five years of EMDR therapy. And so sometimes I'll have dreams where these memories just pop up or they'll just come in the daytime or something will trigger the memory. So sometimes, but it, it never feels like a memory. It always feels like this random thought or dream. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it never feels like it's actually real um, until, you know, until you confirm it with somebody else where you're like, oh, I think I that's see. because our brain tries to stay disconnected from it. Yeah. Um, everything that I've studied on trauma and I've read quite a few different books and lots of different um, studies um, regarding trauma, but um, some, you know, our brain is amazing and what it does to protect us. So repressed memories are really your brain trying to pre- protect you. They generally happen for people who when something happened when they were young or in their childhood, um, because at the time they can't rationalize what's happening. And then later, if memories come back, you still stay detached from them a lot of times um, Hmm. because your brain is still staying disconnected from it because it's trying to actually make new pathways um, for that memory. And it's really interesting, like just the science of it is so cool, like how God made our brain and what they do is just so amazing. But then when you get that confirmation from somebody who was there or a part or knew of the, you know, the situation at the time, then when you get that, then it's just like your brain just goes, whoa, like it's real. And those patterns yeah. are formed. It's right almost now. like, yeah, it's almost like your brain instantly rationalizes it in a way yes. like, oh, okay, this is a memory. I see. Mm-hmm. I see. <laughs> and because before then you question yourself a lot, um, which yes. is typical of people with trauma anyways, but you question like, was that a memory? Did I make that up? Was that a weird dream? Why did I just have that little flash? You know, lots mm-hmm. of, I always call, I always said it's like bits and pieces. Like I have bits and pieces of this time period and bits and pieces of that time period. Because there's not really any yes. solid, you know, stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm a big dissociator. Just in general, mm-hmm. I dissociate a lot. And I'm sure, I know I learned that from my childhood. I know I dissociated a lot with my father's abuse. And um, later, after my father went to jail, my uncle's abuse as well. I just would shut my brain off. And it, I wasn't there. <laughs> And so a lot of those memories, too, of when I'm dissociated is, like, dreamlike as well. Like, I know I was there, but I also don't really remember. Mm. And because I dissociate so much, I just kind of do that, will do that naturally for different things. And so it's been... is very typical for people that have trauma. It's definitely one of the ways that they process and are able to function. Um, mm-hmm. because that help that helps you disconnect on purpose. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so growing up, so when you were uh, 12, did you say 
he did mm-hmm. he go to prison then? Yep. When when I was twelve, I told um, a teacher of mine, and he went to prison. Had you tried to and, tell um, before then? Yeah, we told we told our mom, um, and that nothing happened. And we continued to tell our mom, and continued to tell our mom, and nothing that's, happened. Usually, that's a safe person for you to go talk to. I mean, yeah, in general. You think I can trust my mom and that's who I can right. absolutely go to. And I was big on her like listening or like if somebody made a promise to me, like I was big on keeping that. So mm-hmm. she she told us that she told me, I think she had told both of us that if he touched us again, that she would leave him. Mm-hmm. And then it happened and I told her and we stayed and I was so <laughs> upset mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Um, I sought out help from somebody else while they were at their honeymoon in Las Vegas. And so when they came back, he was promptly arrested and we were safe in a manner of speaking. I was still living with a mom that was angry with me for taking away her income and for taking away this person that she loved very much. Um, and so mm-hmm. that made that made my teen years kind of rough. And pretty soon after my dad went to prison, um, my uncle also started sexually abusing me. And he was just a couple of years older than me. He was actually the same age as my sister. Um, And during this time, too, our mom was pretty adamant that we kept in contact with our dad. So he would write us letters. We would get, Alyssa would get to go and visit him. Like, we really did not get a break from the abuse just because we were still in it like um yeah our family was pretty immersed in that abuse and so we didn't even really realize until much older just how 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 bad it was in our family yeah and how how far spread it was we I think we've talked about this before about really the generational trauma um that was put on people due to such a generation of abusers um yeah and just after generation after generation um in your family and that is so sad that that just has continued and continued um, but like Alyssa said like this is stopping with me it's not going to go past here I'm going to break from those yeah. people so what steps have you done to kind of change yeah. as an adult now so I I wanted to get away as soon as possible. I think for the longest time, I knew my family wasn't good, but I was not brave enough to leave. And especially my sister, um, with how much love she had for our family, it was really hard for me to leave. And so um, it wasn't until like I was in college, away from the family, I had gotten my space, I'd gotten my own um, place, living with roommates, um, that I really started seeing and with the help of my current partner. I mean, uh, he did 
really opened my eyes to how badly I was being treated um, by my mom because for me it was just that was just our relationship and I knew it wasn't great yeah but it was normal Um, and so really he opened my eyes to a lot and I started cutting before we learned about the rest of our family Mm -hmm. Um, and I told my sister that I wasn't I wasn't going to be you know coming to the family gatherings that I was planning on not being around and not participating anymore and I know that made her really sad and then um but she she understood and she was like yeah I mean maybe that's something I do with you and then we found out about all of the um not all but some some of the rest of the deeply threaded abuse in our family and I convinced her like yeah let's do it this is the time we we, we've got to get out of this. And both of us just, we knew exactly what we needed to do. When we found out that information, there was just no question in our minds, really. Was that um, information just how much further the abuse went that you weren't aware of? Yeah. Yeah. Like other victims in our family um, just opened our eyes to just how widespread it was. Um and how 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 much we just kept everything quiet, like how willing everybody was to just pretend that that was normal and how willing everybody was to not, not talk about it and just let things go on. I mean, it just made us sick to know that we were a part of this kind of family. <laughs> That's really hard when that's what you know as normal because that's what you grew up with all the time. And then when your eyes are opened, like you said, your partner kind of opened your eyes to see like, no, this isn't normal. (laughs) This is not, you know, how a mom is supposed to treat her daughter. Um, This is not how family is supposed to treat each other. Then that's kind of shocking to the system. Be like, wait a second. You know, this is what I thought was normal and and we consider normal as healthy when it's not necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was this very unhealthy, abusive relationships um, that you still were staying in because you still had contact with those people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And for me, it was really hard to let go, too. I did not. I still have my best friend from when I was in kindergarten. Like I do not say goodbye to people very well at all. If I can, I'll hold on to you for the rest of my life. Um, So for me saying goodbye and cutting people off, like I spoke to my abuser, like we spoke to our father for many, many years after he went to prison, we, we were encouraged to do so. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to, my uncle for many, many years after all of the family found out about the abuse as well, because it was just, for me, it was just so hard to let go of the good times because of course, with every single abuser, there's good and bad times that you have with them. Mm -hmm. And um, the good just can't make up for all of the horrid awful bad (laughs) and I just let it over and over I just let it 
I let the good win, even if it was minuscule. Which I is, did not want to say goodbye. Well, that's that's natural for us to try to grasp a hold of the the good and stay, you know, the positive things that you can see. And yeah, that's completely natural. And I'm sure that was one of the hardest things that you've done ever in your life oh, to yeah. say goodbye oh, yeah. to them. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I've and that transitions into my my relationships too because I've I've had relationship after relationship that's just been abusive and ended in turmoil and it's not been great. And so it's like my, my relationships and my willingness to just let, let, um, let somebody mistreat me Mm. and hold on to the, the small amount of, of good things that there might be Mm. or a large amount. What there's always, you know, different variations, but, it's never done me good. <laughs> so then as an adult, um, how long has it been since you have cut out that family? It has been over a year now. Um, we cut them out in 2021 in like June, around June. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so you and Alyssa did this at the same time. We did. Yeah, that has to be helpful to be able to do it with your sister. And it makes it just slightly easier, although it was extremely hard. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely. It was it was really, really nice having my sister to talk about things and to lean on. I think that it would have been a lot harder had we had to do it separately. It was really, really nice having each other for that. I'm sure. Um, I think it's neat to mention how, you know, the day and age that we have with technology, how amazing it is. Cause I know part of the things that you guys came to know and realize that was going on in your guys's family and extended family actually came from starting the healing trauma mama's Facebook group. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just amazing that we started this group just to try to give a resource to other women who had maybe had some experiences like Alyssa and I, and it just brought all these different women together and some of it ended up being related. And that just, I just think it's amazing that we're able to do that because everybody is living different places and you're in Idaho, Alyssa's in Texas and you know, you have family like all over different places now, and it brought a place for you guys to be able to connect and come to some realization of some things. And then that helped you mm-hmm. to make a better decision, decision for yourself moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. My sister originally asked me to make that page for her and with her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I was like, man, I would love to do that. Um, but I just don't think it's my place cause I'm not a mom. Yeah. And so <laughs> I told her to, to ask around and, and make a friend. I kind of forced her to, <laughs> to tell some other people about it and make it with somebody. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad that you did because I had never thought to do that. And Alyssa knew that I was going to be on the happy home birth podcast. And when she, mm-hmm. I was like, yes, 
we need a resource for moms. When I go on the happy home birth podcast, we can give them a place to go. And I was like, okay, I've never done this before though. So you're going to have to head it up more than I am, Alyssa. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I think Alyssa, Alyssa also was like overwhelmed at the prospect and I had been running Facebook pages for my job. So she's like, Asia, (laughs) yes, you should do this. But I was like, no girl, you got this. I believe in you. This is Ain't no thing. Well, you got it. And you mentioned that you're not a mom, but you know, I I think we use that term because because most of us in there talk about you know as moms and the things that have happened to us and how that affects us with our trauma. But you know, you're a woman, and I think we've we've opened the doors up many times to women who've had experiences that would like to join the group, even though they're technically not a mom and it's a healing trauma mama's group. But I think there's power in us women joining together to be able to share our stories. How do you think your trauma and what happened with your family is going to affect your future? And do you think you're going to have children? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I would say that, um, man, so the journey of me and motherhood is definitely still going. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid, I pro- I told, I didn't understand that, like, you could get charged for crimes when I was young, but mm-hmm. I imagined getting married having kids and then murdering my husband so that I could just have the children because nobody wants the husband. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And then I grew up and realized that that wasn't okay. So I thought, okay, well, I would love to adopt some kids. And that's really been like a dream of mine for a long time. Um, I, I yeah, I, I always thought that that would be a good path for me and I've had some significant relationships with men that I thought I could settle down with and have kids with but for me I think the prospect of it has been really difficult just because number one I get into these relationships that are abusive um I have had a miscarriage um due to my abuse from my uncle And I also have got stomach adhesions from the abuse, um, just in general, I think. Um, And stomach adhesions are basically just scar tissue, internal scar tissue that doesn't really know where to stop because it's not on your skin. And there's like barriers on your skin that tells that tissue where to stop. So internally, they don't have that barrier. So they're just, they're just trying to fill in the gaps everywhere possible. So it'll stick my organs together and basically just makes a lot of, um, a lot of things really uncomfortable. And that can include um, intercourse. And so Mm -hmm. for me, like I've really avoided intercourse in my relationships. Um, It just didn't really happen. I did not touch hands. I did not hug. I really, really avoided any kind of physical contact in my relationships. It just made me uncomfortable. I didn't like it. Um, And so psychological side to that too, besides the actual physical touch. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so that overcoming that has been a 
big challenge for me because my last relationship, um, that was the only partner that I'd had that made me feel comfortable enough to have that type of relationship on a more regular basis. And um, I ended up getting pregnant with that, my, my last partner, and he did not want a child. He was not interested in that. And I was terrified of the prospect. So we got an abortion mm -hmm. and then that relationship ended up being really abusive. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm grateful that that was our decision because it would have been terrifying <laughs> to raise a child with that man. So um, now I'm out of that relationship and I'm kind of at this point where I'm learning that I can have autonomy on my body, that I can be comfortable um, in these types of relationships, but I'm still very protective of my peace in that way. <laughs> and, As you should be. Um, yeah. So, it's hard a lot of times, especially for somebody who saw such a distorted marriage relationship between a, a husband and wife to even think that that could, that, that it's possible to have a very different type of relationship. Mm -hmm. um, I know that's it's because that was your normal growing up, right? And yeah. you don't want that as your normal. Um for sure you want and you deserve much better than that so i'm i know there are times when it's just <sighs> difficult things come up and we have all these challenges that we've been faced with and there are, i'm sure are still going to be many more to come and it's just making those decisions that we're going to do better than than before than in the past yeah um, than what we were taught. And even then what, like, I know I've made like so many mistakes, even in my adulthood, still letting the family be, you know, connected and still, um, being involved with them. And, and that, I feel like that was a big mistake because that changed me, um, where I couldn't ever be the real me, um, because I was always guarded because of, of those relationships. Um, I don't know if you've had anything like that, but yeah. I'm sure where it's oh, yeah. letting that go and letting those family members go and, and making the choice that, hey, I'm not going to make those decisions any longer and it, and I'm going to do something better for myself. Um, mm -hmm. So, and that's a process. That's a learning process, isn't it? Oh yeah, for sure. I know for me, I, I really struggle asking for help. And I know you do too, like asking somebody for help or for advice. Like I really just don't reach out. Um, and I'd prefer to figure things out all on my own. And that of, of course that stems from the environment I grew up in. And I also really, really struggle um, to accept any kind of like maternal uh, relationship from um, older women in my life. There's a couple of women, um, that I, yeah, like, especially my ex's mom. I, we, I started to have a relationship with her where it was like, yeah, I, I could definitely, 
um, love you like a mom. And she was like, yeah, I could love you like a kid. And then we had a really big emotional fallout over a political conversation. And so it's like things like that where I, you know, I struggled to build those relationships and maybe partially I, um, I'm like, you know, making them a catastrophe on purpose because I don't, I don't want that relationship in my life, you know? Yeah. It's very typical to, to self-destruct things because they're getting a little too close, especially with people that have had trauma because that's scary. Um, and you don't want to open yourself up to be that close with somebody again, because hurt how many times and Mm -hmm. that's painful and nobody wants to have to go through that again. Yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, I mean, I definitely think that I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm still growing and I'm grateful that I'm not a mother right now although I do think that adopting is probably something that's in my future someday I think the other aspect of having my own children that scares me um for me anyways is that um it's just their features it's just the fact that our features our family and their faces get passed down and I have a lot of body dysmorphia because I grew up being told that I was just like my dad just -hmm. like my dad and even some of my ex-partners have really um hurt me and and hit me where it hurt most by telling me that I was just like my dad (laughs) and so I have really struggled with some body dysmorphia um because all of the folks that I've been told that I look like are folks that have hurt me in some really awful ways. And so when I look at myself in the mirror, I don't often see myself. I'm seeing everyone else. And I struggle with that a lot. I'm glad you brought that up because that is something that I've been wanting to talk about on the podcast for a while. And I haven't figured out how to bring it up. So thanks for bringing that up, Asia. I struggle with the same thing. Um, I look just like my biological mom. And even so much Mm. like I have a tooth that's missing towards the front. You've seen me in person. Um, Mm. I don't smile big in pictures because of that tooth missing. And every time I see myself in the mirror, if I smile and show that, I see my biological mom and it makes me mm. so mad. And, yeah. and I just am so frustrated that it hurts my heart that I would be that mad about it. But it also is like, why do I have to look so much like her? <laughs> yeah, like I, you know, like I, I want to like me for me and I want to see me. But every time I look in the mirror and I see them, I'm just angry that like mm-hmm. I have to walk around with them <laughs> yeah well though and it, it is a struggle a about that though lately because I keep thinking like you know I also look like other people too though I have my own features yes. and you know even though like when I smile big people don't see my gap they see that I'm happy and I'm smiling you mm-hmm. know I always try to tell myself too that um 
that I get to take these features and make something good with them. Yes. I get to take these features and I get to do good with them. I get to exactly. treat people better with these features. These features on me don't hurt people. That's exactly. what I always try to tell myself is that I'm not out there using these features for harm. I'm out there using these features for love, for growth. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and and I've seen you in person and I believe you fully do that. <laughs> you're 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 such a kind, loving soul and that that does radiate. And I'm so thankful that you're able to see past that and in the healing process be able to see like, hey, no, I am a beautiful person um destined to do amazing things. And that confidence takes a long time for us people who have had all these different trauma in the past for us to get to the point of actually having that walking in that confidence yeah yeah so I think I think there could be a day where I I would be ready for such things like having my own biological child for example but even just you know looking at myself in the mirror and being proud and happy with who I am and not not getting triggered by my own features, but yep. I also am just terrified of getting triggered by my children's features. Like that's something that that actually scares me is I I don't want to resent my children for the way that they look and the way that I resent myself for the way that I look. I don't want that would that would be so awful. <laughs> if you don't have so, to I mean, continue resenting yourself though. You can continue growing yeah. and love yourself. And I think that's what you would do with your own children. But if you recognize that, knowing that, hey, there are so many children that need to be adopted right now, that that might be an amazing opportunity for you. Exactly. Yeah. And, you, and most of the times, children who are in the adoption um, process have had their own traumas, have had things that have happened with them, even if they're a baby and they're just, you know, um, were, were given up for adoption, that's still traumatic mm-hmm. system to be taken away from their biological mother. And you have the opportunity to help heal with them. Yeah, absolutely. So I love, I love that that's what you're looking at. I think that's amazing. Thanks, Madonna. Yeah. Everybody's got their own path and I, for sure. yeah, I I love having my nieces and nephews. I love watching everybody, you know, have their little babies. And it's such an amazing journey, really. And it's, there's a lot of growth that happens from having kiddos. So I I do, I love, I love kiddos. I work with them. I still work with them. I get to do volunteer um, coordination with folks that work in elementary schools. So I get to visit the elementary schools and I, yeah, I still have a lot of interactions with kids. So that's That's always been fun. That's great. So in the, as you're working on healing and, and, you know, as you're growing and this new process of, you know, a year out from having the family, um, or being connected with the family and stuff, what other steps have you been taking to help heal in this process? So you said you've been seeing, going to therapy or do EMDR? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still do therapy. Um, I 
actually graduated from therapy, which I, I don't think is something you can really do. If you've got... I was like, how does that happen? <laughs> I know, but my counselor was basically like, you, I mean, you have all of the knowledge and tools to be able to handle um, the things that come at you. You really only need to be in therapy if like something big happens and you need to work through it. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you've got the tools and the knowledge to be able to handle these things yourself. And that was nice to hear from my counselor who knew me from the first day I walked in where I just had a list. I just gave her a big list of a timeline of everything that's happened to me. And I was like, fix me. There's something wrong. I don't know what. (laughs) And so she's, she's really watched me grow um, and evolve into the person that I am today who's much more confident much more self-loving and and all of these good things um so I yeah I absolutely love her um and I've been seeing her since um since my dad went to prison for the second time I was graduating my with my associate's degree and um we started EMDR a year later and EMDR is um, if for folks that don't know, it's a type of therapy that uses light and sensory um, objects to kind of ground your memories um, and help your brain place them. Uh, it's really interesting. If you don't know about it, you should look it up because it's it's a very interesting form of therapy and yeah. it's pretty incredible if, if it works hear- for you. If you want to hear more about it, if you can go back to the podcast episode with Jeannie Bohall, who is a family marriage therapist. Um, she talks about EMDR um, on the podcast. Yes. And um, that's something that I've done also. And it's interesting because um, it can be extremely helpful, but it can also be extremely difficult. Um, yes. So, and I am so thankful that I did it a fair amount. And it helped me make some realizations and have some shine some light on some areas that I needed some light shined on. But then I actually had to step back from EMDR because it got too much. I I didn't want more memories. I didn't want to go into any more. I just wanted to let it go and move on. Um, So I think that's exactly where I'm at with my EMDR. (laughs) I'm taking a step back from it at this point. Yeah, I think that's helpful because it can be so beneficial. Um, I really am thankful that I I did it for a while there and was able to dig deeper into some memories that I had and then some memories that I didn't have that I gained back and they made some connections for me, which was really good. I needed those connections, but there comes a point sometimes where it's just, I don't, I don't need to relive. I don't need new horrible memories. I need to be able to heal and move on from those and not stay in the past. Cause I don't have yeah. to remember all the terrible things that happened to me in order to be able to get over them and heal from them. Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah. Cause it really does. It, it's, it's great for the, for the moments that you do remember um, to be able to place them and to not get triggered by so many different things. Um, it really does. It's life-changing, but yes. at the same time, it opens the floodgates for all these other memories that you might not have even known were there. And so it's kind of a double-edged sword in that way. It is. Yeah, it does help, but it also 
gives you a lot more things to process. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm the, so. That's exactly what's happened with me with it. So I'm very thankful for it. But I also, I guess just having discernment, knowing, hey, when, okay, that's, I need to stop with that now. And I have some tools, like you said, you have tools now mm-hmm. and everything to move on from there and to continue walking in the healing process. Yeah. Um, and that's what we yeah. are trying to focus on here at Healing Trauma Mamas is that healing process that being able to set those traumas and, and let go, to set it aside and let go of all those things and to be able to walk in a newness of life. Yes, absolutely. So I, yeah, I've done, I've done therapy. I'm still seeing my same therapist. I, I would like to see the same therapist for the rest of my life because I've gone (laughs) through therapists before and she, I love her. So (laughs) I never want to say goodbye to her. Um, And I started when I lost, when I left my last relationship, which was back in March of this year. Um, I was really struggling again, of course, because I, you know, fear of abandonment and all of these, all of these things came right back up. So I started seeing two therapists and did that for a little while. And I'm back down to one seeing her once a month. And so I do that. And I also have just a ton of other things that I do in my free time. Like I I am an artist, just like my sister. I love painting. So painting has always been something that makes me happy, um, gives me joy, and gives me that peace of mind and that self-love time that I just need. And I've got my two emotional support animals um, that are around me all of the time and I get to take them to work. So I think that I'm just slowly building a life for myself where... I get to, um, yeah, do the things that I love and just live a good life. So I've, um, yeah, I think, I think that I'm still working on a lot of things. I'm still struggling with a lot of different things. Um, but you've but come so far. I have. I've come really, really far. I think an example that I, I'll give you is this actually happened this Wednesday, which is why it's still fresh in my brain. Mm-hmm. And I'm laughing about it um, because, man, the person that I was even two years ago would have been would have handled this day so differently. Um, but Wednesday was just everything that could have went wrong went wrong on Wednesday. I woke up to, um, I woke up a little late. And so I rushed to the, um, senior centers cause I visit senior centers to do outreach. Um, and I walked around this building twice and <laughs> could not find the entrance to the senior center. I walked inside the main entrance. It was empty and, um, could not find where to go. And so I just left and went to the second place. And then Um, at the second place, everybody who was at the first showed up and they all were like, wow, we saw you walking around the building and nobody came out to tell me where to go to get in. So I was like, man, okay. And so then, um, I left, went to work for a little bit, um, 
like came home, took my dogs out. And then I had to go to a training that I was putting on um, for my volunteers. It was a tech training. And the, the place that I booked said that there was room for 10 and I got there and there was room for two. <laughs> mm. And I had brought coffee and tea and snacks and like decor to like really make this a fun training. And we were all stuffed. I couldn't set any of it up because there was no room. We were all stuffed in this tiny two, two room space with a little projector and trying to figure out this tech um, and all my volunteers are 55 and older. So you can just imagine how <laughs> rough this experience was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then I left and I came home and my dog, one of my dogs was sick and there was diarrhea all over my house. Oh no. And that, that was my Wednesday. Wow. <laughs> so that whole day though, I, um, I was laughing at everything that happened, everything that came up, everything that went wrong. I like huffed and puffed for a few moments and then laughed about it because I was like, wow, yeah, what a day I'm having. And by the end of the day, I was like, what a what a day I've had. This this has not been a good day. And the next morning I woke up and I went and had coffee with this adorable young baby, like seven, eight months old and her oh. grandma. Um, and I was like, yeah, and today's a new day. And there you go. that was it. And two years ago, that one bad day would have knocked me out for two weeks, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, it would have devastated you. Yeah, I just would have been so upset. Wow. Yeah, look went. how much you've grown. So that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nice to know that, that you can that you can look at life differently and become a different person and live the life that makes you happy. You don't have to wallow in sadness forever. <laughs> For sure. Yep. It's good to be able to realize that we can move on and enjoy a very different life than we had previously. We don't have to stay mm -hmm. in it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing some of your story with the listeners and just giving us such a neat glimpse into really just a awesome healing process that you've had and, and what a strong woman you are to be able to get to where you are today. And I just can't even imagine another two years where you're going to be. Mm, thanks, Madon. Yeah, right back at you. I think I love this Trauma Mama healing group just because it brings all of us folks together and we get to share our experience and learn from each other and it's really beautiful because you cannot heal alone you just can't thank you for listening may you be encouraged and strengthened by what you've heard today remember you are dearly loved by your creator so be who he created you to be may you go in peace friends till next time shalom